You're listening to Business in Bloom, a podcast for creatives and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and creative business coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-belief, creativity, and what it means to run a business on your own terms. Hello, and welcome back to episode 91. This week's guest is Susie Jackson. Susie is a freelance mentor helping other small business owners with their finances and in particular pricing their services which I found is often one of the trickiest parts of running a business and we talk about increasing pricing with existing clients, the kind of things and factors we need to consider when evaluating our pricing and setting our pricing in the first place, uh, preparing to go on maternity leave and so much more. So yeah let's jump straight in. Hi Susie, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi Anna, thanks so much for having me. Uh, So I am a pricing mentor to freelancers uh, and I mentor them around kind of how to set prices, how to raise prices and how to manage your business finances in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and just generally too much to deal with. Um, But before that, I... Well, I've been running a freelance business since 2015. I am a copy editor and Spanish to English translator by trade. So um, started off by doing that kind of, that was the beginning of my business journey and then decided that I wanted to add mentoring in kind of at a later stage. So that's just a brief summary of of what I do. I feel like there's a lot more to it than that. But um, yeah, mentoring is kind of my main focus now, although I still do the... uh, copy editing and translation as well uh, alongside that yeah and so I'm curious did you was that your kind of first job the uh, translation or did you do have any other jobs before that what was that journey like yeah um, it wasn't my first job so I did a degree in languages Spanish and Portuguese and when I graduated I really had no idea what I wanted to do I think I'd studied languages at school but uh, and I'd always been really good at them like my mum's a French teacher teacher or was a French teacher she's retired now um so languages has always kind of been my thing but then when I got to the end of my degree I was like well the standard routes that people tend to take when they when they graduate from a a languages degree are either to become a languages teacher which I knew I didn't want to do or to go into one of those kind of graduate schemes working for an international business and using languages in that way and I really didn't like the idea of the graduate schemes. I just thought that didn't sound like it was for me. Um, So I ended up kind of uh, thinking, well, I don't really know what to do. And I I got a job in university administration about a month after I graduated. And so I I worked in that for a few years, actually, and I got promoted within that to a managerial position. And I, you know, I was was fairly good at it. I don't want to toot my own horn, but like, um, I think, you know, it was something that I kind of fell into and wasn't something I ever planned to do but it was something that kind of came quite naturally to me but after a while I did feel like well I'm not even using my languages at all um what was the point of that degree that kind of thing um and so I also got to a point of needing a bit more disposable income alongside the salary that I was earning because my partner had moved abroad and so I needed more money to be able to travel frequently and that kind of thing so I started doing some alongside my job just on a freelance basis and I started out just using like freelancing platforms like Upwork and things like that and then after about six months of doing that I was like actually 
I really enjoy running my own business and it gives me a lot more flexibility than being in traditional employment. And so I quit my job and took my business full time. And I think I added in the copy editing a couple of months later, just based on demands, just what was kind of coming my way. I think it's interesting because that's not something I ever particularly planned to do. And obviously that's not what my degree was. You know, copy editing is just in English. But it's actually what the majority of my freelance work is these days. And it's actually, I probably enjoy it more than the translation. So um, that kind of just happened without me really proactively seeking it out. So that was 2015. And then the mentoring began in 2019 because I got to a point of, I was enjoying running my own business, but I felt like I was lacking interaction with other people. And that kind of human connection, which is one of my values, so important to me. So I started doing mentoring just on a pro bono basis. And then um, that expanded to be to become a, like a paid group program in 2020. And then it's gone on from there. And I've, you know, added one-to-one options and all that kind of thing. So now I have a good mix of mentoring, copy editing, and some translation, although less uh, less than the other things. And now I am preparing for maternity leave <laughs> at the time of recording this. Uh, because I, yeah, my first baby is due in mid-May, so not long to go. So trying to figure out all of those challenges now too. Yeah, so lots of kind of changes over the years, I guess. And I love that obviously certain services just kind of found their way to you, actually, that it wasn't necessarily something that you planned to do, but actually, um, yeah, there was a demand for certain services, but also you recognised that you wanted to, expand what it is that you do in terms of yeah that kind of human connection and I I love that you recognize that actually that's something that you need in your own work and you essentially created an environment where where you're able to do that yeah totally I it was really interesting I don't think I'd ever done any work around my values before that point I just felt like something was lacking but then yeah, I started to do some work around that. And that was when I realized that what it was that was lacking and and kind of made a plan for rectifying that. So I'm so glad I did. I love the mentoring side of my business. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, because I feel like that kind of mirrors my own work in, a, in, in some way, different industries, but I obviously started out as a wedding photographer, and, and I still do that work. It's still the kind of majority of my work. But it fulfills a creative kind of side of me but also I realized as soon as I took that business full-time that actually I was really missing something else and I think coaching gives me slightly more something to get my teeth into in a, a kind of a different way so yeah it's interesting that you you've recognized that as well yeah and I think that actually if more freelancers did work around their values and things they would probably realize something similar. I think it's really, really difficult from the beginning to create a business that fulfills all of your needs. Mm. Um, And it's something that you kind of realize over time and and have to adjust to, uh, to achieve. Yeah, that's such a good point, actually. And I think, yeah, you won't necessarily know until you're in the depths of it. And and you're kind of, and, and having said that, obviously, sometimes actually running one business and and solely focusing on one thing will suit some people so it's not to say that everyone would kind mm. of necessarily want to run multiple businesses because I guess in some way there are challenges that come with that as well oh yeah of course I mean managing all the different um, demands on your time is hard enough when you're running one business but um, 
yeah, I think I actually really enjoy the variety and I've, I've also, you know, as well as adding the mentoring, I've adapted my, the freelance side of my business so that I can accommodate that. So, you know, the types of clients that I work with and like the deadlines that they require of me and that kind of thing, I've had to kind of shift towards a model where the types of clients I work with are quite flexible so that, you know, they're not needing things from one day to the next. And I can therefore fit the work for them around when I have mentoring calls and when I'm running programs and that kind of thing. So it's not been, it wasn't like an an immediate change of just, oh, I'll just add in the mentoring. It's kind of, okay, how do I make these things work together? How am I going to manage this in a way that is sustainable and isn't going to completely burn me out? Yep, yep. <laughs> we talked about about this just before I hit record and I'm you know, I won't obviously go into it now, but yeah, I'm I'm facing the same kind of challenge of working out how do the two businesses sit alongside each other. Um and like I say, the the kind of time commitments that each will require it needs to fit in. Otherwise, like I say, it's it's a one way street to burnout, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about pricing in general and and why small business owners actually struggle with that a lot. And it's something that I've come across, you know, with the kind of friends in the industry that I talk talk to. It's it's often a, a you know a big topic of conversation. It's something that we are always wondering about. Are we pricing too high? Are we pricing too low? You know, what's the kind of middle ground and should we be looking at competitor pricing? So why why is pricing something that small business owners struggle with? I think a big reason is that most of us who start small businesses didn't study business <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we usually went freelance or started our business for lifestyle reasons. And I think that's why there is so many female small business owners, because it's something that we've kind of come to because it fits nicely around other things in our lives that we want to have time for. Um, And so if we went freelance for lifestyle reasons, we probably had a background doing something that was completely different and therefore we didn't go to business school or whatever. But even if we did go to business school, which I think is probably the minority of small business owners, freelancing is quite a different business model from traditional businesses, larger businesses. Um, And it comes with its own kind of um, complexities in the sense that like pricing has to take into account certain different types of things, you know, with a brick and mortar business, you've got different kinds of costs. And if you have higher employees, you've got different kinds of costs. Whereas us as small business owners and freelancers, we don't necessarily have those things. And really what we're selling is our time. So it can feel a lot more personal when we're putting prices on our services. Um, And that means that we're very susceptible to imposter syndrome playing a part, you know, lack of confidence. And it might be that we, you know, feel that we aren't earning enough but we're afraid of losing our existing clients or, you know, not being able to gain any new clients. Um, And it could all just feel like a little bit too much. So I think if we've never been taught how to manage our finances, it's really common to base our prices on what we see other people charging or just kind of allowing our clients to set the prices in the sense of, um, you know, a new client approaches us and we kind of say, okay, well, uh, what what did you have in mind for this? And then they tell us our budget and we go, okay, then um, I'm seeing increasingly that this seems to be the case, particularly for small business owners who provide services to agency type clients who typically don't have as big budgets as kind of direct end clients. Um, and 
honestly, there's just no guarantee that if we set our prices in this way, that it's going to earn us enough to cover all of our costs and provide us with what we need in the time we have available. We were talking about burnout a second ago. Like we need to make sure that the prices we're charging are going to enable us to earn what we need in the time we have available to do the work, because otherwise there's just no way we're going to feel we're going to have to work super long hours just to, to make ends meet. And then that's not, that doesn't align with the reasons why we started our business, those lifestyle reasons that I mentioned before. So um, it's just, it's so complex um but there are definitely ways that we can get past this it's just a question of actually recognizing that you need to be strategic in how you price your your services and putting some time into figuring out what those prices need to be yeah no I think you're so right that it is a complex issue there are so many factors that come into it but one of the things that I'm hearing you say is figuring out what your costs are where would you start with that? How and what kind of costs are we taking into consideration when when considering our pricing? Yeah, so there are various kind of financial requirements we have and they come under both our business and kind of our personal life because given the nature of small business and freelancing, our business is our source of income, typically, um, our sole source of income. In some cases, that's not the case, but um, and therefore, it needs to cover both the costs within our business and also provide what we need in order to cover all of our personal financial outgoings. So the first thing is thinking about what those personal financial outgoings actually are. Like, how much do you need your business to be able to pay you on a monthly basis in order to be able to pay for the things that you need to just live? Then you've got business expenses. So um, depending on what type of business you run, these might be higher or lower. But anything that you need to be able to pay for in your business, whether that's uh, software, equipment, uh, training and CPD, that kind of thing. You know, if you ever need to hire other freelancers to work with you, those kinds of costs. We've got we've got all kinds of different business expenses. Then, of course, we have to bear in mind any taxes or other compulsory contributions that we're going to have to pay on what we earn and making sure that we're building those into our pricing so that we're not left out of pocket when we have to pay our tax bill. Um, and then saving for retirement as well is another big one that I think small business owners don't think about potentially until it's too late. Um, so that might look like contributing to a pension. It might look like investing in some other way, either in, in property or in, you know, the stock market or something. There are various options, various ways we can do that. But it's just really important to make sure you're considering all of those things early enough in your business and building them into your pricing so that you can actually afford to pay for all of those things and not feel like you have to work, you know, such long hours just to be able to cover your business expenses and pay yourself a little bit, for example, which I think is is a situation that a lot of business owners find themselves in when they don't set their prices in a kind of strategic way. I think that's a really good point. And the pensions is such a great example of actually you know myself included it's not necessarily something that I've prioritized particularly in the first few years of of being self-employed full-time because it just didn't feel like there was potentially any room for it I think maybe that's mm -hmm. a you know that's a certainly a the way we you might approach it it's it's not necessarily the truth <laughs> but it, it's <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely something that's hard to kind of 
calculate into the pricing i think it's uh, certainly if you don't have any background in um like you say maybe business kind of studies or any form of accounting it's actually going to be quite tricky potentially to do that all by yourself Mm. yeah absolutely and this is what I found I mean this is why there is a market for the mentoring services that I offer because it's it's all very well someone saying to you oh take these things into account but actually the thought of sitting down and having to try and work out what that means in real numbers is is really really difficult and I think a lot of us recognize that we need support in our businesses to learn how to market ourselves for example but it's very very rare for freelancers to think, you know, I really need help with the financial side and maybe maybe you'll hire an accountant or something. But in terms of actually recognizing that you need to learn to manage some of these things yourself and that it's not going to be something that you just know how to do is, I think that's that's a really common mindset that people just expect, oh, it's just maths. Like I should know how to do that. When actually, maybe you could figure it out, but how long is that going to take? Um, yeah. And, you know, would it not be more helpful to just learn how to do this once and for all? And then you've got that knowledge and you can implement it in your business early on so that you know that you're running a financially viable business rather than one that's just kind of draining you. Yeah. What you've mentioned there about making sure that you are factoring in the tax and then and not being kind of out of pocket, I think all of those points are just so valid because actually it's very, it's all well and good at setting pricing that may sit in line with competitors as an example, because that is commonly what a lot of particularly creative businesses, I think maybe do just look around like what, what are other people doing? What, what does the market look like? Um, And actually not taking into consideration our own kind of costs. And of course, everyone's living circumstances are going to be very different as well. Um, I wonder if, you would recommend considering pricing in a different light when it comes to maybe working part-time somewhere so being employed part-time and running a business alongside that would you consider pricing at a lower point what what does that look like yeah it's a really interesting question I would say no I think there can be a temptation to accept lower than normal rates if you have another source of income because you're like well I'm getting my salary from this other job so I can afford to accept less Mm. um, for my freelance work or you know my small business services but the the problem with that is your business expenses are probably pretty similar with or without that part-time job alongside so if you accept lower than normal rates you might find that actually you're only just earning enough to cover those business expenses and that leaves you with nothing for yourself, Um, which means that you're putting in all that time into doing your freelance work alongside your part-time job, which could actually be be quite tiring, quite demanding on you for very little compensation. So I think if you, you know, if you set your rates in the way that I've described, I, I was talking about the different kind of costs and the financial requirements that you need to consider But the other part of the equation for doing those calculations is your capacity. So even though when you've got part-time work alongside your freelance freelance job, your personal financial requirements might be lower because you've got another source of income. So, you know, maybe you've got a part-time job that covers your bills every month. um, And so all you really need your business to give you is some disposable income on top of that. But bear in mind as well that your capacity for your freelance work 
is going to be lower than if you're doing that full time. So the time you've got available to earn that extra disposable income, plus the amount you need for your business expenses, plus any taxes, plus saving for retirement, if you want to do that, the time you've got to earn that is reduced. So I would argue that actually you shouldn't be setting lower prices for your freelance work. You need to make sure that you are still charging good enough rates uh, for that to make sure you can cover all of those things. So if you're just starting out in your business and you've got a job, this pricing strategy that I've described enables you to charge high enough rates from the beginning without kind of feeling that pressure that we sometimes feel at the beginning of starting a business where it's like, oh, I need to accept these projects, even if they're paid pretty badly, because I need to earn something rather than nothing. Whereas if you've got your part-time work alongside, you know, you've got some income coming in regardless. So you can kind of afford to risk it and maybe charge some higher rates and see whether you can find a client base that will pay those higher rates. And if your business is already established, then that job also gives you kind of financial stability to risk raising your prices with your existing clients too because you're not kind of so vulnerable in the sense of, well, I need to still make sure I'm earning a certain amount through my business. And I, you know, it can feel very scary. So um, this can give you such a a sense of kind of financial stability. I think it actually, if you've got a job alongside your freelance work, it puts you in a really powerful position with your pricing because your pricing decisions aren't going to be based in fear. And so you're more likely to charge those higher prices which then sets you up for success if you ever decide that you want to take your business full-time. For example, you could quit your job and know that the rates that you're charging are going to be good enough to enable you to live on those when you've, you know, when you do that full-time and you gain more clients at those prices. So I think rather than charging lower prices, it actually puts us in a powerful position to charge higher prices than we might otherwise do. You make a really good point about actually, obviously, if we did want to move into full time work, suddenly, if you were charging lower pricing to begin with, you're then having that conversation with potentially either new or existing clients about potentially a a large increase in order to make it a sustainable business, like you were saying. So actually, it kind of safeguards you from having those potentially difficult conversations down the line if the pricing needs to increase by kind of a large amount. Absolutely. And I do think that we attract different types of clients depending on what we set our prices at. And often the clients that will hire us when we're charging lower prices are just not going to have the budget to work with us if we need to increase those prices significantly. Either they won't have the budget to, or it, you know, they won't see your value and want to pay that higher amount. And we'll just look for someone else who does it for the cheapest price. Mm-hmm. So I think we can attract very different types of clients through our pricing. And it just makes it really hard for us, as you say, down the line, if we do ever make that decision that we want to take our business full time. Yeah. And I wonder if you have any tips on actually when it does, the time does come to increase your pricing, uh, leaving the kind of, you know, part-time business aside, actually, if you are full-time in your business and you are working potentially with some long-term clients, what does that conversation look like? Do you have any tips on, you know, when is the right time to increase pricing, but also how do you approach that conversation with clients? Because it, Obviously, you know, it's it's something that I think people, particularly working with the same client over a long period of time, may be a little bit hesitant about. Yeah, that's such a common issue I see. As I always say it's really important to review your prices at least once a year. And here I, I'm 
very specifically saying review your prices as in revisit these pricing calculations that I've talked about. So at least once a year or more frequently if your circumstances change. So, you know, if your financial requirements increase, which could be because of cost of living increases, like we've all been through recently, or, you know, if you're moving somewhere new and, the, and that's going to be more expensive for you, that kind of thing. So if, if your financial requirements ever increase, or if your capacity for paid work reduces, uh, which like in my case, we've got a baby on the way, my capacity for paid work is definitely going to reduce. So need to redo those rate calculations whenever your circumstances change, or at least once a year. And redo those pricing calculations from scratch. So considering all those same things that I described earlier. And once you've done that, start charging those new rates to new clients straight away. So if you have your prices on your website, update that as soon as you've kind of done those calculations and you know what you need to be charging moving forwards, update your packages, all of that kind of thing. Start quoting those new rates to any new clients that approach you for quotes. And then in terms of your existing clients, it does feel really hard if you've been working with them for a long time and you've got, you know, an established relationship. And especially if you've never really touched on the topic of pricing at all since you started working with them, it can just feel really scary to have to contact all your clients be like the price is going up so yeah like it or lump it kind of thing so I always recommend actually doing a client assessment to understand how much you're earning per hour from each one so for this you do need a bit of time tracking data looking at you know how much has each of your clients paid you over the last 12 months for example how much time have you put into the work for them and then that gives you kind of an, a comparable, what's known as an effective hourly rate. So the, the actual hourly rate that you've earned from each one. And that way, even if all of your clients have the same kind of base rate that you've agreed with them, you'll notice there's a, there can be a lot of variation in terms of how profitable each client is to you. So I recommend doing that kind of client assessment and then just picking one client to start with in terms of rate, raising your rates. So if you were to do this across the board and just contact all of them, it's actually putting you in quite a vulnerable position for any potential negotiations because you could have five or six of your clients come back to you at the same time and say, well, no, we can't pay you anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you're having to make decisions about, well, do I want to risk losing them, all of these clients at the same time? Or, you know, do I need to back down on this? And it just, it can get in your head and make it really, really difficult to achieve an outcome that you want. So I always recommend if you're feeling nervous about it to just pick one client to begin with, deal with them first, see how that negotiation plays out and then move on to the next one. So there are a few different reasons why you might pick a particular client to start with. One could be the simple, you know, it's the lowest hourly rate that you're earning from any of your clients, which is a perfectly valid reason to choose to start with them it might be that you have identified a particular client where you think actually they're the most likely to accept a rate increase because I know that they've got good budgets and stuff so that's kind of an easy win it might be a client that you like the least so if you've got a particular client where you're like I don't actually really like working with them you could start by doing your rate increase with them uh, because you know that if you lose them well you're not going to be too sad about it or, you know, if you have a particular client that you really haven't raised your rates with for a long time, I think now particularly is a great time to do it because with such high inflation rates and things, it really is not going to come as a surprise to your clients that you need to put your prices up. So um, pick a client to start with, 
and then consider all the possible outcomes of that negotiation. So it's it's possible that the client will just agree outright to the rate increase and your kind of working relationship will continue as normal. Obviously, that's probably the ideal outcome that you're looking for, but it doesn't always happen. So there are other things that can happen. One is that the client agrees to the rate increase, but then because their overall budget hasn't increased, they can't afford to send you as much work, in which case the work that they do send you will be paid at this new rate, but the overall workload will reduce, which may not be a bad thing because it frees up some of your time to look for other new new clients that can pay the rates that you need to charge. But if you're already not working to capacity, then that might feel like, oh, I really do need the full work workload from them. Another potential outcome is that the client just says, well, okay, but we can't afford that full rate increase that you're looking for. So they try to negotiate. In which case, think about, you know, what would you be willing to accept in terms of the new rate? And is there anything else you can get them to compromise in exchange for not going with that full rate increase that you're looking for? So remember that you can negotiate on all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be just on the price. So thinking about if there's anything non-financial about your working relationship with them that you could ask them to change, maybe the payment terms or maybe the particular, like, I, I don't know, this varies so much based on the type of work you do, but like the... Uh, if you have to work through their platform, whether you could actually just send stuff to them by email, if that's easier for you, or, you know, thinking about anything that you don't really like about that, that working relationship and whether you could ask for a change in that in exchange for negotiating a little bit on the, on the rate increase. And then obviously the, there is the possibility that the client just says, we really can't afford to pay you any more than we're currently paying you. In which case you need to know in advance what you're going to do in that situation. Are you going to walk away? Or is it really important to you to kind of hold on to this client? In which case, how are you going to make sure that the client just doesn't just hold all the power in this relationship by just going, okay, I'll carry on working at the same rate for the same terms. Um, is there anything that you can get them to uh, compromise on in exchange for that? So thinking about all those possible outcomes in advance so that if negotiation is needed, you can do that based on what you've already planned and you're not likely to end up agreeing to something that you're going to resent down the line. So yeah, that would be my overall approach. That was quite a long answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's really kind of in depth because there, there are just so many things that you need to consider. And I don't think it's necessarily something that springs to mind when you think about increasing your pricing. It's, you know, having all those kind of strategies in place and kind of plan Bs, so to speak, if, if things don't go kind of to your ideal kind of scenario if it doesn't turn out it's it's good to have yeah just possible outcomes that you can work with yeah it can really really help in terms of just giving you that confidence to have the conversation because I think that's why so many freelancers don't raise their prices very often it's kind of like oh I, I probably should do that but oh what if I lose the clients or you know what if what if what if mm -hmm. and I think that considering all of this stuff and mapping out uh, an action plan and strategy how you will deal with all those possible outcomes just gives you that confidence to go okay well I can go into it now because I know what I'm going to do if any of these things happens yeah and I wanted to ask you because you mentioned that you're preparing to go on maternity leave 
what is that what does that look like in terms of pricing in terms of the kind of financial uh preparations that you might be considering as a freelancer what um what steps have you taken and what steps would you recommend others kind of to potentially consider as well I think there is so much that's kind of like scary and feels like too much to deal with when you're preparing to go on maternity leave or to be honest when you're preparing to take any kind of extended leave from running your business um but I I really believe that your pricing doesn't have to be such a big concern if you set your rates in the way that I, I described earlier because it's effectively just tweaking the numbers that you're putting into those rate calculations so on the business expenses side that might look different because it might be that you can cancel some things, you know, if you're paying for memberships or subscriptions and things like that, if you know you're you're not going to be working, maybe you can put some things on hold or cancel them for the time that you're going to be away. So maybe your business expenses are a little bit lower than normal for that reason, or it's possible that your business expenses are going to be higher if, for example, you want to hire a virtual assistant or another freelancer to keep the things ticking over in the background in your business while you're unavailable. So getting really clear on what that's going to look like for you and therefore changing the business expenses numbers in your rate calculations to reflect that. Also, your personal financial needs are going to be different too. So it might be that you're eligible for some kind of government financial support, you know, statutory maternity pay or whatever, in which case maybe the the kind of personal financial part of the rate calculations could be a little bit lower if you know you're going to have another source of income from this uh, this maternity pay. Similarly, actually, to if you had like a part-time job providing some kind of uh, extra income alongside your business. But also bearing in mind that you're going to have lots of new things you're going to need to buy for the baby. And therefore, your actual personal financial needs might increase across your business and any statutory pay that you're going to get. So um, making sure you're clear on what that looks like. And then on the capacity side of things, I think obviously there's the time that you're actually going to be taking off, which is not going to be available for you to be working in your business. So I always recommend um, when you're thinking about your capacity anyway, regardless of maternity leave or whatever, making sure that you're building in time for holiday and sick leave into your pricing calculations to make sure that you feel able to take time off and know that you're still going to earn what you need in the time that you are working around that. So in this case, that amount of time off over the course of the year is going to be significantly more when you're taking maternity leave than it would be in a normal year, in which case you need to reflect that in your pricing calculations. Um, But also recognizing that while you're pregnant, your capacity might be different because you might be a lot more tired than usual. You might have other health problems. You might have to take time off for appointments. There's, you know, there are a lot of things that we maybe don't anticipate before we've been pregnant. I know I didn't, that might affect your capacity during that time. So thinking about what that might look like, but then also after, you know, when you come back from your maternity leave, you're going to have childcare considerations. Your capacity is going to look very different from how it looked before. So making sure you're reflecting that as well in your pricing calculations and just making sure that you do these new calculations early enough in your pregnancy to allow enough time for implementation. Because with the rate increase strategy that I talked about before, if you're doing this with one client at a time, that's not something where, you know, overnight all of your clients are suddenly paying you your new rates. So you need to make sure you're allowing enough time 
to actually then start implementing these new prices um, so that that doesn't end up being a problem for you. But that's been my approach. And I'm feeling pretty confident. It's interesting. When I redid my rate calculations on this basis, my minimum hourly rate almost doubled. So it was then a question of, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And having to get creative to figure out like how I was actually going to be able to start earning what I needed early enough in my pregnancy so that I could then afford to take that time off that I was planning. But I think also, you know, when you're thinking about how much time off you need, be generous because you don't know how you'll feel. And so, I I mean, I'm thinking, and I may be completely misguided, there might be people listening to this thinking, okay, you're really underestimating how much time you need here. I was thinking, well, probably around six months. I might feel ready to come back sooner, but, you know, I want the ability to take six months completely off and not feel like I have to come back sooner for financial reasons. So that's what I built into my pricing calculations was six months off. And then if I feel ready to come back sooner, any money that I start earning is going to be a bonus rather than something that I really, really need. So yeah, that's been that's been my approach. I'm still figuring out the kind of more general, how do I uh, take maternity leave and not lose all my clients side of things. But um, that's a work in progress. Lots of things to consider. And it's all kind of moving parts with, you know, if you are taking into consideration clients, obviously, what are their circumstances looking like in terms of, you know, potentially can they wait for you for six to nine months? Can they get someone else in in the interim period? Or, you know, what does that all look like as well? But what I'm hearing you say is that actually in terms of the financial prep, it's kind of being prepared for the kind of worst scenario in terms of the capacity, the, you know, how you're going to feel and and therefore how much work you're able to actually do and when, which will then obviously kind of give you a buffer should things be kind of going relatively smoothly you're actually in a much better position then as well yeah and I think I would say that's actually my philosophy with pricing generally so even if you're not thinking specifically about maternity leave situation it's like in general when you're setting your prices don't overestimate your capacity for paid work I think a lot of people assume that they can do far more paid hours in a day than they actually can um and so I always say you know be conservative with your capacity estimates even in normal situations when you're setting your prices um, and then if you manage to do more, then great. Um, you know, that's extra income for you. And and on the flip side, be generous with what you think you need financially, because you don't want to find that you set those those numbers too low. And then with cost of living increases and all of this kind of thing, suddenly you actually need quite a lot more than you'd anticipated in your pricing calculations and you're struggling to make ends meet, even, yeah. you know, even though you've set your prices in the strategic way. So I think the same point applies regardless of whether it's maternity leave or just kind of normal pricing calculations. Yeah, that's such a good tip. And obviously the price of um, cost of living, sorry, uh, increases, you know, with the, you know, taking the heating example, heating bill example, uh, it's almost doubled for us. And actually that's a huge increase that wasn't necessarily anticipated in, in, you know, perhaps a year ago when when I would have been setting my pricing as an example. So yeah, it's it's interesting and always giving yourself a buffer, I think, is a is what a wise kind of wise advice. Yeah, absolutely. So as we come to the end of our chat today, if there was one tip you could give your younger self, what would it be? Oh, I think <laughs> this is so difficult. When, when 
and you sent me this question in advance. I was like, I, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. <laughs> um, I think it would probably be to be flexible or adaptable and kind of go with the flow. Like I've always been a planner. I've been an anxious person all my life. I've always felt the need to kind of like have everything mapped out really far in advance. And this applies both in business and more generally, I think. And there've been so many things that have just not gone in the way that I expected them to, particularly like personally over the last maybe 10, 12 years. And my life now looks completely different from anything that I could have imagined back then. And I was, you know, I thought I had everything mapped out um, and actually things happen and then things move in a different direction from what you're expecting. And I think in business too, I've tried to kind of go with what the demand is. So I said before, and you, you, you kind of commented on that about, you know, the fact that I added in the copy editing because there seemed to be demand for it. And this, this is something that I've generally tried to do throughout running my business is try saying yes to things that come your way and then see what happens. And if you don't like it or you don't think it's something you want to add in, then you don't have to do it again. But you don't know unless you give something a try. So this has definitely been um, what I've tried to do throughout you know, my the mentoring side of things. When I started that, I was doing it pro bono. I didn't really have a clear sense of what I could specifically help people with. Initially, it was like, I, I want this human connection. I want to have calls with people. And, and maybe I can just help with generally running a business in an organized way because of my background in admin. And so I started off doing it pro bono, worked with a few one-to-one -one clients that way. And over time, I then realized that actually the big thing that I was able to help people with was finances and pricing. And that's something that I, you know, there just didn't seem to be much support with for freelancers. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I could specialize in this. And then one night I was lying in bed and the idea for Charge With Confidence, my, um, my signature mentoring program just kind of came to me when I couldn't sleep. And I was like, okay, I could run that. And then a month later I ran it and as a, as a live group program and I had 12 people enrolled and it was like, wow, this is amazing. Like this actually happened without it ever being the plan. Um, and since then I've tried to kind of follow that same philosophy of, you know, what are people asking for? What are people looking for? Is it something that I can help them with? Okay, well then give it a try. And that's where all of my one-to-one -one offerings and things have come from. It's just people saying to me, oh, do, do you give support with this? And me being like, well, I could, let's give it a try and see. And finding things that I really, really love. So I think younger me would not have um, been open to this kind of approach. I would always have felt like, well, no, I have to have a plan that's that's very, very uh, detailed. And if it doesn't fall into that plan, I'm not doing it. But I think I've had to learn to be adaptable over the years. And I'm so pleased I have because I think that I, I love what my business looks like now. And it definitely wouldn't look this way if I'd tried to map it all out five years ago or, or 10 years ago. Yeah, I love that advice that, you know, actually in life and in business to be adaptable, to be open to opportunities and things that might come our way without, you know, without expecting them, I guess. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Where can people find you? 
Um, so Instagram is my favorite social media platform to hang out on. I am the dot organized freelancer and it's organized with a Z because even though I'm British, <laughs> when I set up my Instagram account, uh, organized with an S was taken. So that's the story behind that. Um, also, I feel like I should probably update my, my Instagram handle because that again, dates back to those days when I was just, Oh, maybe I can help people run a business in an organized way. But anyway, no plans to do that anytime soon. So that is my Instagram handle. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn if people prefer to connect with me there. Um, and then my website is www.susiejackson.co.uk. And I've got various free resources that people can download if they want some support with this whole pricing and finances thing. I've got a free webinar on, you know, uh, how to calculate your prices, quotation templates, various spreadsheets and things to help you manage your finances. So um, do take a look at those and and sign up for any of those things if you think you would find them helpful. And generally just reach out. I do love, you know, I said before about human connection. I just love connecting with other business owners. Um, so yeah, I am not a scary person. Please reach out if you are interested in having a chat about anything. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll pop the links below in the uh, show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Anna. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with friends. And if you can, please consider leaving a review. I'll be seeing you soon.